0: of you know, I, I just returned from, from New York City um, from a vacation made for by my sister. I love my sister. You have sisters like that who pay for your vacation? I, just, I love my sister. Anyway, so um, I just returned from, from the States 13 days ago today, and uh, every time I go to New York, I, I always get confronted by a reality, a social reality there called homelessness. Everywhere you turn, whether it's in a rich area or a poverty-stricken area, you will find a lot of homeless people, and that is a reality for most big cities. I come from Manila. Everywhere you turn, everywhere you look, you find a lot of homeless people. Homelessness is a huge deal. It's a huge problem all over the world. Some of them are victims of the economic downturn. Some of them are victims of Their own doings in times of their own decisions. But regardless, the church and we who are living comfortable lives, we're called to share what we have, to reach out to them and at least give them some semblance of what it means to have a home. You see, when I was there that week, that whole seven days, they were hit with a, what weather reporters call, Polar Vortex. Have you heard of that term or phrase? Polar Vortex? See, the normal winter temperature in New York City is be around 4 degrees above zero. That's golf weather for you guys, right? That's, that's when you wear a t-shirt and walk around the park. For them, that is really, really cold. But when we were there, hit by a polar vortex, the, the temperature went down to minus 11. Can you imagine that? It's hard to imagine, really. But for them, because of the humidity in the air, it makes it feel a lot colder. And believe you me, coming from here, and living here for almost five years, and having experienced five ice ages, walking around New York City was a pain, literally, because of the biting wind. Imagine being homeless in that situation. So I was walking down the street called Lexington Avenue, and, and just beside the, uh, the Grand Central Station, which is one of the oldest stations, train stations in New York City, there was a man sitting on the curb. And his cardboard sign says, Please help. I'm homeless. I'm only 21. I'm ashamed. At 21 years old, I'd say he he was just at the beginning stages of the prime of his life. He finds himself homeless in the middle of New York City. Cold and hungry. I couldn't help but stop and, and introduce myself to the man. His name is Chuck. And I said, would you like to have lunch with me? You see, the truth is, I had just met with a friend and her sister um, earlier that day. We had lunch at a hotel called Waldorf Astoria, which is a very expensive hotel. They could afford it. They they paid for my lunch, which is great. But you know what? After having experienced that sort of luxury, I realized there are so many people around this city that need help. And so I said, would you like to have lunch with me? he said, sure, that'd be great. So he packed up, folded his cardboard sign, and went with me. Knowing that I would not be able to get him into a restaurant of our choice because of how he looked and how he smelled, he said, maybe you can just take me to the food court downstairs. I know there are no restaurants that would accept me. So we went downstairs to the food court, and we got some lunch. And of course, you eat lunch, you, you try to engage with this person that you had just met. I had to ask questions, of course. I said, I, I, I hope you don't take this as offensive, but how did you end up in the streets? He said, I tried my luck here in New York City. I found a job, like little odd jobs here and there, because I've always thought New York City is a is, is a city where dreams were made, right? And you go there and try your luck, and for him, he ended up on the streets. 21. I said, where are you originally from? And he said, I'm from Boston, just outside of Boston. And I said, do you have a family? Oh, yes, I do. My parents are, are uh, living just outside of Boston, a suburb of Boston. I asked this really, really personal question, I said, if you go home, well, do you think they'd accept you back or at least help you to recover from what you have just gone through? I just can't swallow my pride now. I said, you know what? Here's the thing. I am willing to get you a a train ticket to Boston. this. I want you to go home. You have a home to go to. Your parents love you and I'm sure they won't turn their backs on you. It's up to you now to embrace the reality of your situation and ask for their help. So we got to to the till and I bought him a ticket and I gave the, the remaining cash that was in my wallet. I said, I, I guess it would help. this would help you get lunch or dinner And you get to, on uh, the way to Boston. We parted ways that morning, and I'm still confronted with the reality of homelessness. And he wasn't the only one I met that day. I met another person who, who was also homeless. But his homelessness is a different kind of homelessness. A homelessness that is more common, but not very evident. I met this guy named James who was a doorman at a nice building on Park Avenue in New York City. His homelessness is different. His homelessness is called spiritual homelessness. He told me his story while he was giving me a tour of the nice building. He said, I was baptized as an Anglican when I was a baby. And then when I was 16, I attended this Sunday school class, a Bible study class, and the Bible study teacher said, who among you here wants to get baptized? And he raised his hand and he got baptized into the Baptist church. And he's, I think, 64 years old now. And he said, so, so do you still go to that church? Are you still active? He said, you know what? About 11 years ago, I decided to be Buddhist. I said, why? You see, you know, my, my, my father comes from a Catholic Buddhist family and he moved to the Baptist church. That's just a, a reversal. What made you move? And he said this. The Anglican church or the Baptist church, I couldn't, I couldn't understand why, but there's something missing in my life. Something seems to be missing and I don't know what it was. And that's why I started my search. And I found this religion to be most appealing to me. And I said, you know what? I told you, I already introduced myself to you, I'm a pastor, and I think I know what's missing in your life. I think I know why you are spiritually homeless. You see, who's missing in your life is Jesus. You got baptized into the church, but you never really had a genuine relationship with Jesus. You see, that's what's missing in your life. It's inviting Jesus into your life and making Him the Savior and the Lord of your life. He said in the Bible himself that anyone who drinks of the water I give will never be thirsty anymore. And he said, that must be what's missing. And that morning, he gave his life to Jesus Christ. Gave his life to Christ. And I said, you know what? Find a home. Find a home. We are confronted with homelessness, spiritual homelessness, even more than physical homelessness. But what's amazing is this. In Scripture, we are told in John chapter 15: if you have your Bibles with you, open your Bibles to John chapter 15. And we find here Jesus Himself saying. I can be your home. In fact, verses 4, verses 4 and 5 says, Remain in me. The original language that was used there is translated, abide. Which is also our word for abode, which is house or home. And there's a version in, in, in the English language of the Bible that uses the phrase, Make your home in me. And so turn your Bibles to John chapter 15, and we'll go through that this morning. You see, <clears throat> there are so many people in this world who are homeless spiritually. And 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 I've realized over the last many years of being a pastor, there, there are three kinds of homeless Christians. First is this kind of homeless Christian. Like the homeless Christian that says, I'm fine having a relationship with Jesus, but church isn't for me. It just isn't relevant. And then there's another kind of Christian who's churchless or homeless who says you know what I I love Jesus and I love the church the church is the universal kingdom of Christ that's why I don't have a church congregation or a local body that I join I don't have to be a part of a local church like Moses because <laughs> I'm a part of the big kingdom of God which is true but we are also told in scripture that you have to be connected to the local body of Christ now that's the, the other kind of homeless christian now there's there's another there's a third kind who who says I, I love jesus i love the church that is why i serve in many different churches i like the worship of that church and the preacher at that church i like the cookies of that church i like the i like a girl in that church that's why i go to those different churches and they end up homeless they have nowhere to plant their feet. You see, to be a churchless Christian is a contradiction of terms. You cannot be a Christian and give your and not give yourself away to the work of the ministry of Jesus in His body. You see, there are many nicknames in the Bible for the church. You know that for this spiritual home. First is the kingdom of God. The church is called the kingdom of God. When when Jesus came, He did not establish just a literal territorial kingdom. He established a spiritual home for anyone who does not have citizenship spiritually. The second nickname is the body of Christ. Jesus being the head and we are all part of the body. We are all acting out whatever he tells us to do. The third nickname for the church is the bride of Christ. And the fourth one is the household of faith. And that is why I call this Series. This is your house. This is your house. Jesus and the church are inseparable. You cannot embrace Jesus and dismiss the church. And it is true that the church is full of hypocrites. It's full of sinful people. That is why you are welcome here. You will fit in right beautifully, right? The church is full of sinful people. That, that's the case. Jesus formed the a kingdom, a, a, a body, a church, an assembly of people who are coming out of all the weird stuff that this world has infiltrated, uh, that has infiltrated us. And what's, what's beautiful about this is that the church, even though it's composed of messed up people who try to do life together, they have the hope and the faith in the grace of God that they will. They will succeed in their journey, in their struggles. They're trying to make a difference in this world. Yes, it is messy, but that's the point. Jesus came to embrace the mess. And in our messy life together, here's what's cool. Even in our mess, Jesus works through us. He causes fruit to grow and our faith to go strong, even in our imperfections. That's why I keep saying to this church, if you are new to this church, this is perhaps the first time you will hear me say this, but I've always said to this church, here at Mosaic Church, it is okay to be not okay. You are welcome here. We don't expect you that as soon as you come through the doors you are perfect, because none of us are. None of us are So let's start to John chapter 15. And I'll read through it. You can follow along with me. Jesus said, I am the vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word. I have spoken to you. Remain in me. As I remain in you, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in me. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. You see, answers to prayers are conditional to your remaining in Jesus. And verse 8 is beautiful. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciple. This is your house and you are welcome here. Jesus Himself claims to be the vine. He is someone you have to connect to in order for you to Fulfill your life's purpose. And so here's the first point that we find here in this passage. You have to make Jesus your home. You have to make Jesus your home. Jesus said, I am the true vine. Remain in me as I remain in you. In order for this Christian life to work, you have to remain in Jesus. Another version says, like I mentioned a while ago, is the word abide. Where we also get the word abode. And another version is so beautiful. It says, make your home in me. Live in me. Make your home in me. So as a follower of Jesus, you are to be connected to the vine. You have to to move into this house. You move into this this home called Jesus. And I told you a while ago that Jesus and the church are inseparable. If you are to connect with Jesus, you are to connect with His body. The church. So... Here's the truth. Any organ or limb, apart from being connected to the body, dies, right? I'll, I'll ask you to do an experiment this week. It might be a little gory, but cut off your pinky finger and leave it on your kitchen sink. And see if it lives on. I don't think it will. You can experiment. You see, apart from Christ, you can do nothing. Being a Christian apart from the church also is detrimental to your calling. It is like being a cowboy without a cattle. Or without cattle, it's like being a teacher without a class. It's like being a rocker without a band. You can't be a Christian without a church. The word remain is an active word. It's a verb. It means to survive and to prevail. And Jesus himself says, in your remaining, that's when you get life out of me. You can't just receive me and leave remain in me remain in me as i in you remaining in christ is more than just standing and sitting through an hour of worship songs and a sermon remaining is more than just coming to a weekly worship experience like this making christ your home is to drink up all the sap that christ wants you to receive from him it's Daily connectedness to the source of life. And the Bible tells us that when we are connected to the source of life, the body of Jesus Christ, which is empowered by the Holy Spirit, we will what? Bear fruit. Who wants to bear fruit? Who wants to live a fruitful life? I guess all of us. And so Jesus says, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. You have to remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. When Jesus said those words, he was close to getting crucified. Very close to dying. He knew about that. He came for that purpose, to die on the cross. But the disciples did not know that. And so he was preparing his people, he was preparing his young church for what was about to come. That they will be pruned, they will be shaken by this death. But he said, remain in me. The King James Version of the Bible says, remain in me as my words remain in you or abide in you. My words, don't let what I have spoken to you leave you. Remain. Remain. So that was, that's what strengthened the disciples of Jesus through and through it all. So remain regardless of the imperfections of his kingdom. Remain regardless of the, the problems in the church. Remain regardless of the personality clashes. Remain. Remaining is our obligation. Fruitfulness is God's concern because it is only when we remain that we bear fruit in our here and I hear an amen. Verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He's been repeating himself, hasn't he? If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. You see the condition here. If you remain in me. If. That's a conditional word. Your fruitfulness has to do with your faithfulness. Verse 8 says, this is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, emphasis on the much. Because when you bear fruit, when you're connected to Christ, you bear fruit and you give glory to God. You are fulfilling your purpose. According to an ancient um, confession of faith, the Westminster Confession of Faith, it asks the the most fundamental question of, of man. What is the purpose of man? Have you asked that question to yourself? What is my purpose? What is my purpose? Why am I here? And that confession of faith answers that question in this way. The chief purpose of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. You were created for God's glory. You were created to enjoy Him forever. The only problem was in the process of time, man decided to leave God. Because of disobedience and the reason why Jesus came is to restore that relationship back he came for that that is your purpose to give glory to God and when you bear much fruit you are fulfilling your purpose here in life it is God's will for you to bear much fruit in fact it is a natural consequence for everyone who is healthfully connected to Jesus to bear fruit I like that phrase, connected, or natural consequence, right? I love that phrase, natural consequence. You see, just as it is a natural consequence for ice to melt in heat, or water to evaporate in air, or a fruit-bearing tree to bear fruit, it is a natural consequence for a disciple of Jesus to bear fruit, to bear more disciples, to make disciples. It is a natural consequence verse 6 says you did not choose me I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit fruit that will last Jesus keeps repeating this over and over remain in me you will bear fruit remain in me you'll bear fruit if you don't you won't bear fruit just repeatedly saying this so the question for us is this are you a disciple of Jesus Christ if you are are you a fruitful disciple are you bearing much fruit if not there there has to be a question, another question. Am I really connected to Jesus? Am I taking in the sap, the power that I am supposed to be taking in so that I would bear fruit? It is true that Jesus is the one that chose and appointed us to bear fruit. If He's the one working in and through you, you, you and your fruit will, will be genuine and your fruit will last. That's what verse 6 says. If you're connected to me and, and to my Father's glory, you will bear fruit. Your fruit will last. Now, what does it mean to bear fruit? Here it is to be fruitful. Is this? You ask, Pastor, how how does that work? How, how does it mean? What does it mean to be fruitful? That's where you are called to work it. Um, to be fruitful is to be able to to stay and connect, stay connected to Jesus, and and bear fruit. And bearing fruit is this. You multiply yourself. How is that possible? You are a follower of Jesus Christ. And because of your love for Him, you want others to know who He is. And because you want others to know who He is, you will intentionally look for people that you want to share the love of Jesus with. And that becomes your fruit. And you will walk with that person in their growth process. That's a good question to ask. Do I have spiritual fruit? Do I have that kind of fruit in my life? Or am I just like what Jesus said in verse 7? Am I just a branch, or may, verse 2 also? Am I just a branch that is taking space, taking up space in that, that vine? You see, here's the thing. In remaining like i said to you remaining is an active word you have to work it in order for it to work that's the second point of this message in remaining you have to work it in order for it to work someone said i went to church once it didn't work that's because you didn't work it you can't go to the gym and work out for 30 minutes and expect 10 pounds to be gone right You have to work it. Remaining in Jesus means working it. And that's why I said, regardless of the problems that we face in the church, regardless of the situation, we must remain and keep doing what we're called to do. You have to work it in order for it to work. So my suggestion to you is this. Stop looking for a cooler worship team or a great church. Or a a better preacher. I want you to find a church that would lead you. To a deeper walk with Jesus. Who will help you become a multiplying fruitful disciple. And stick with it. Find your home in it. And if you don't have a church home yet. Mosaic is open for you. And we're willing to take you through this. And help one another. In being fruitful disciples. Work it in order for it. work and i'm not saying that you have to work for your salvation salvation is already there being connected is salvation but to bear fruit you have to work it philippians chapter 2 verse 12 says this continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling it says work out not work for it means to exercise not earn If you already have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you know that you're connected to Him, I want for you to work it out in order for it to work. Which brings me to my third and final point. Fruitfulness is a natural consequence of faithfulness. Fruitfulness is a natural consequence to faithfulness faithfulness you see you can be connected to the vine and struggle with fruitfulness or fruitlessness because of disobedience you can be a disobedient branch you know that you can sit in church and drink in all the sap you want but because of you, disobedience to the will of god it, it hampers you from bearing fruit that could happen and what does the bible say about that Verse 2 says, He cuts up every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. See, the Father is intimately involved in this relationship between us, the branches, and the vine, Jesus. And He wants for us to bear fruit. It is to His glory. But failing to abide is more than just... A hindrance to fruitfulness. It is severing from the source of life. Not to abide leads to death and destruction. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch. Now, I do not believe that this is talking about losing your salvation. But what Jesus is saying here is simply this. He's showing that abiding is not an option. A true branch of Jesus Christ will bear fruit. It will abide. Are a true and genuine branch Jesus he will prune you you see two summers ago I was in California and we went to Napa Valley which is filled with grape uh, vineyards not grapeyards, vineyards and we went to this vineyard called Castelo de Amoroso which is a castle surrounded by vineyards and and I saw this Mexican guy working in amongst the vines and, and the branches And so I walked up to him, thinking of this particular passage. I said, so what are you doing, man? And he said, I'm pruning." Ah, so what do you exactly do? Well, you know what? This this branch, he showed me a branch. He said, there are little twigs hanging out, you know. I have to cut those off. Because truth is, even though they look harmless, they suck suck in some some nutrients from, from the vine. And so we, I need to get rid of those so that fruit will will grow out of them. You see, for anyone who is connected to Jesus, he prunes us so that we will be more fruitful. And that's a great thing. To be pruned is something that you want to long for. In verse 3 says this, Jesus said to his disciples, You are already clean. You have already been pruned. Because of the word spoken to you. If you believe that the Lord has already spoken his word of salvation to you. If you believe that you are connected to him. You are already clean. It just now takes for you to remain and work it. In order for it to work. Fruitfulness is a natural consequence to faithfulness. Be faithful. Be faithful. See. Like I said to you, you can't work out for 30 minutes and expect 10 pounds to be lost after. You can't expect to have a good relationship with your daughter by hugging her once in her life. You can't expect a blissful or happy marriage if you only talk to your spouse once a week. same is true with your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want a fruitful life, remain in Him and work it so that it will work. There is no special formula or technique by which fruitfulness can be attained. It results from merely abiding, remaining in Jesus. And so my question to you, questions to all of us, are the following. If you are here for the first time and you know for a fact that you have not been connected to Jesus, you are not attached to the vine, today is the day when you can decide I want to be connected to Jesus. I want to be connected to the vine. I want to find my home in Jesus. If you're here for the first time and you haven't had that experience of receiving Jesus as Lord and Savior, today is the day. Today you can get connected to Him. Today you can experience fruitfulness. The beginning of your fruitful life. And if you're here for many, many times and you're a believer and and you do not belong to any local church, you're just sort of hopping from one church to another, my prayer for you is this, that you will finally decide to stop hopping from one church to another, start committing yourself fully to a family, start committing yourself fully to a home. I want you to start moving in and settling in and remaining and working it out. I want for you to do that. That is God's call for you. If you're that kind of a person, I want you to decide for that, with that, now. And for the third category that I want to address this morning if you are a believer for a long time, but your life seems fruitless, you are struggling with it, you have been a believer for 15 years, for 30 years, and there seems to be no fruit. really to you God am I lacking in the working it so that it would work if I am please please I am open to your pruning so that I can bear much fruit if you fall under any of those categories I pray that this message will be planted in your heart You see, if you belong to that first category, being a first-timer and wanting to connect to Jesus, it's very simple to connect to Jesus. You see, religion sort of made everything seem so complicated, but to be connected to Jesus is simply acknowledging Him as your Lord and Savior. Telling Him, Jesus, I cannot save myself. I need You to come into my life, be the Savior of my life, be the Lord of my life. I believe that You died and You rose again from the grave in order to give me life that's all it takes and if that is your desire do that right now even as I speak do that But if you fall under those two other categories of being a Christian for a long time but fruitless or being a Christian for a long time but churchless it's time to move in settle in settle down work it in order for it to Let's stand together and pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that we can find a home in you. In you we can have life. In you we can find our purpose. In you we can have meaning. And I pray for each of us here this morning that you would cause your word to be planted so deeply in our hearts that we will respond positively to whatever has been preached today. Pray in your name. Amen. You see, if today you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, let us know about it. The connection card that has been given to you, fill that out and there's a little box there that says, today I am receiving Jesus. Write your name down and contact information so that we can connect with you and check that box if the decision that you made was to give your life to Jesus. And if you fall under the two other categories and you want to start plugging yourself in and work it to work it out, and work it out, I would like for you to do the same thing. Fill that card out and check a box in the, in the, in the, on the other side of it and say, you know, I wanna be a part, I wanna get baptized, I want. I wanna be a fruitful disciple, I wanna serve. So don't leave this place without making a decision today. That is to the Father's glory. That is to God's glory that you bear fruit. And I pray that when you come out of this house. Your life will never be the same again. Because you have met with Jesus. You have encountered him. And anyone who has encountered Jesus. Does not remain the same.